1: Hello listener, welcome along to an it's the international break so not everyone's around edition of the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power but don't fret we're stuffing this pod with so much content even Steve Evans would be too full up to go back in for seconds. In for Michelle Owen, who is due to be in for Matt Davis Adams, booked by producer Jeremy, who's kindly stepped in for producer Abby. It's me, Adrian Clark, in the hot seat today. Yep, that one who always gets battered about his Plymouth prediction. Let it go, eh? Pleasingly though, there are a pair of familiar faces slash voices on our panel to provide you with at least some of your usual early week comforts. First up, it's former Swindon, Luton and Ipswich hotshot Sam Parkin. How are you, Chief? I'm doing well. Clarky refreshed after a wedding, which Louise made me
2: go home about 9pm, so I didn't even get to see a tune from the band. But it was uh, nice to put the children to one side uh, for an afternoon and uh, have a Saturday without football for once. I've been... uh, trawling through everything for the last forty hours but
1: good to see you my friend Man, what a shame to deny the fed- fellow revelers of your renowned dance moves disappointing for all concerned devastating to, to, to be honest but um i've got to let it
2: slide i'm afraid i'll get a slide this one so it was nice to be out though
1: very good, very good. Uh, joining Sam today, kindly stepping in late doors, is the Athletics' excellent EFL writer Nancy Frostic. Cheers for coming on, Nancy. All good?
3: Yeah, all good, thanks. Uh, feeling a bit like I've not got any professional football appearances to my name because uh, Matt's not here. So I'm the only one here without any proper football behind me, but I bring an armchair view and uh, Sunday League experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All sorts of knowledge as well, Nancy. So don't put yourself down. Uh, right, so with everyone either in Dubai or Disneyland, there was no action in the second tier last weekend. But let's kick off with some championship headlines regardless. First up, injury hit Sheffield United have signed defender Filip Urimovic on a deal to the end of the season after his contract with Russian side Rubin Kazan was suspended. The 25-year-old is a full Croatia international who's also captained his former side. Reading winger Junior Hoylett scored in Canada's 4-0 win over Jamaica on Sunday evening in a victory that secures Le Rouge's place at this year's Qatar World Cup. Derby County's administrators say they're on the verge of identifying and publicly naming their preferred bidder. Finally, uh, that news is expected to be released anytime soon. But, contrary to reports that emerged late last week, Hollywood actor and celeb Rams fan George Clooney is not expected to be involved. What a shame. Finally, Wales legend Ian Rush has tipped Gareth Bale to make a shock move to Cardiff City next season. The 32-year-old Real Madrid star is out of contract this summer and Rushy believes a move to the Bluebirds would tick a lot of boxes except that crucial money bit, of course. Uh, Sam, can you see Gareth Bale rocking up in South Wales this summer? I could definitely
2: see him going back there at one point but I think there's probably a a move to come first before... um, he, he goes back and, and plies his trade in his in his country of birth. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. Even with someone like Aaron Ramsey, I could potentially see that happening further down the line, and he would would, would certainly uh, tick a lot of boxes in in that regard. But yeah, I think he's probably going to be playing somewhere in the top level for a few years yet.
1: Yeah, they might not be able to afford him at, at this stage. What about Derby County? Have you got any inside track, Nancy, on on who might be this this preferred bidder? It is dragging on and on and on, isn't it? It's, uh, it's getting quite ridiculous.
3: Yeah, it, I mean, it could be anyone at this stage and I think um, I don't live too far away from Derby and everyone would be pretty happy just to see this over. Um, yeah, it could be George Clooney, it could be Mike Ashley. There's a bit of swing there, isn't there? So, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of it except for, um, you know, knowing that it's basically a city holding its breath. And as someone who lives in the in the area, you kind of end up doing it with them, even if you're not a fan. And it's, um, yeah, I just hope it gets sorted soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, talk of uh, Clooney just chucking a million in just so you can have a place on the on the board. Don't think it's going to happen though. Unfortunately, uh, OK, it's time to talk about some actual football now, so let's hot-foot it to League One. League One headlines after going 20 league matches without a win. Mark Robertson has today parted company with AFC Wimbledon by mutual consent. In the weekend's biggest game, Ipswich captain Sam Morsey fired the Tractor Boys to a 1-0 success against Plymouth in front of over 23,000 fans at Portman Road. He joins us shortly. Sheffield Wednesday are into the top six thanks to a 4-1 come-from-behind win over beachbound bound Cheltenham. It was a vital 2-1 win for Gillingham away at Accrington Stanley, a result that puts Neil Harris's men four points clear. Of the drop zone. And Doncaster Rovers suffered a damaging 1-0 home defeat to Charlton. They stayed deep in trouble, sat in 23rd spot. But let's start with a big breaking news of the morning. Mark Robinson leaves AFC Wimbledon um just a few days after They put out a joint statement. The AFCW-PLC board and the Don's Trust board said last Wednesday that Robinson is the right man to remain as our head coach. Fast forward a defeat against Cambridge United the weekend and he has gone. Uh, What's your reaction to this, Sam?
2: Well, they've been praying that they got something from that game against Cambridge. And I think in the days preceding, you'd look at that fixture and think, oh, there's a a chance it could turn here. Um, So that's probably why the statement came out. But... I think because he's got such history with the club, such a good feeling from the supporters, I think that's probably started to turn in the last few weeks and the reality that they could drop out of the third tier. Um, yes, there's been a big change, I think, in overall philosophy at the club. Not drastically so, but we know the success they had under you know maybe Wally Downs in, in recent times, Neil Ardley. It was pretty... Um, Yeah, back to front, uh, agricultural, reliant on set pieces. I think there has been a big change this year, but obviously the owners have acted now and felt that it's too dangerous a situation to see the Dons fall back into the the fourth tier. So real shame because I think uh, he's shown a a lot in his early months uh, as as a first team manager and I'm sure he will come again, but I think it's probably the right call and probably a call that should have been made maybe three or four weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I like Mike Robinson. I think he's he's carried himself very, very well. And he has changed so much at the club in a positive way, hasn't he? And he's, he's introduced a lot of quality younger players. The brand of football is definitely better. But I guess, Nancy, on the back of that 20-match winless run, I mean, that is incredible, really. The, the only surprise is probably that, that he stayed this long.
3: Yeah, I think... Um it's not looking good as it down there um, in the table. And I suppose you can, you can have this so often in football where um, um, an owner or a board or whoever will make some sort of vote of confidence. And it's, it's like probably the most ominous thing actually, because how often do we see someone get sacked about three days later? So um, yeah, it is probably a surprise because, you know, they've shown, they've shown in spells that they are a good side and, I think they made headlines for their, um, is it their substitution coach and all those things where you know they're innovative and trying to do things differently in, at times. But, um, but yeah, it probably is a surprise when when you say it like that. I suppose unless you you watch them every week, you maybe don't realise that it's been 20 games, which is mental.
2: I think when you look down there as well, Clarkie, there's there's shoots of recovery. Even Doncaster have managed to win some games. I know it's looking pretty desperate for them, but with Cole Stockton at Morecambe, for an example, the front two at, at Gillingham. I, I mean, I just find it very difficult to see how Wimbledon were going to turn this around under, under Robinson. The, the the front two at the weekend, I don't think have scored a goal between them yet in, in blue shirts. And I thought this stat was alarming as well. They've only won three of the 15 games they've scored first in. 17 points they, they've taken, the lowest in the, in the division by a distance. I think there's a fragility about this about this side as well. A lot of young players and and Dean Ashton rightly so spoke about the experience of the club being in relegation battles. I'm not so sure many of these players will have experienced that. So an older head maybe to um, simplify things for the last few weeks of the season could be on the
1: horizon. Yeah, I think you absolutely bang on. I think with youth just comes that mental fragility at times. You need those experienced players that have been there and done it. They did, of course, let Ollie Palmer go to, to Wrexham in the January transfer window. I'm pretty sure they'll be they'll be regretting that. Right, let's turn our attentions to the other end of the table, the big game of the weekend at Portman Road. It's Paul Mariner Day, one of my heroes growing up in Suffolk. Brilliant turnout, over 23,000 in attendance to see Ipswich beat Plymouth. 1-0. And, and Sam, this was, this was quite a surprisingly dominant victory, wasn't it, from, from McKenna's boys? I
2: think it was, 100%, but probably a sign that the recent exertions, it's taken its toll on, on Plymouth. Um, obviously, the, the couple of substitutions as well to very important players probably was the the end of their challenge at the weekend but that's not to take anything away from ipswich you know showcasing you know strength in in depth that unbelievable defensive stability i think a spread of goals that they've got now different people popping up um the crowd as well you know 20k plus um they are playing the best football in the division probably right now i can't think of any side maybe mk Don's apart that are playing with such a Fluidity, you know, patterns of play, or obvious patterns of play that oh, I can't remember probably seeing in this in this division. Uh, Carl Robinson spoke brilliantly about it on on Quest. If people haven't seen it, it's a very sophisticated setup that teams are struggling to deal with. So very very convincing, probably must win territory for Ipswich, and I would say that about the next two: Cambridge at home, Shrewsbury away, then they play Rotherham and Wigan. I think six points from the next two games. Could be on.
1: <laughs> it's getting interesting, that is for sure, uh, for Ipswich Town. They've put themselves in the race, and it was fascinating to see Carl Robinson admit on national TV that he doesn't want Ipswich to make it into the playoffs because he, he rates them so highly. What what of Plymouth very quickly, Sam? It was a bad day for them, just no shots on target, and they lost Ryan Hardy and I believe James Bolton to injuries as well. Just yeah, one to forget for for the Pilgrims.
2: Yeah, it's just that that running, you know, I spoke of previously. The mm-hmm. um, yeah, big admirer of what they've done and when I've seen them in the flesh, they've been excellent. I'm not sure the Hardy injury will be too problematic considering I've spoke about the strength in that department, three other very um, capable deputies. Jeff Cott was obviously away, international duty, Kamara comes back into it as well. The defensive problem, Critchlow playing in the middle of the back three will be eased because Dan Scar was back on the bench. So I don't see that being too much of a problem personnel-wise. It's just this horrible end to the season where they play all the, the the top side. So, yeah, sorry, Argyle fans, but if there was one team I could see maybe just struggling to maintain it, it would probably be them and it would probably be Oxford. I've gone early there, but I went with Wickham and Sunderland um, on a recent podcast, so... I think there's a lot of twists and turns to come. And listen, there's there's teams all the way down to Ipswich. You'd be a fool to you, pin your, your hat. That's not a phrase. You'd be a fool to um, to, to, to say now who was going to make that top six.
1: Hedging your bets, mate. Nothing wrong with that. Um, one team that's on a roll for sure. Uh, a Sheffield Wednesday, one of your specialist subjects, Nancy. 18 goals in their last five Matches we, me and Sam have spent most of this season sort of debating what what they are. You know, we, you know we, we couldn't really get a handle on on the hours, but but we can now. They're starting to look a real team, aren't they? Four one victors against Cheltenham at the weekend.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's coming together at the right time, and like you say, plenty of goals, which will only sort of help their confidence. Um, and I, I still don't know what they are. I mean, I know they're winning. Uh, and that's good. And they're winning <laughs> comprehensively. But also, you know, if they lose the next one, then we ask the same question again, don't we? So, um, but no, they are looking good. They've got all the, you know, key players are back at the right time. Luongo and, and Bayers both scored in this game. And, and they're so important to everything working right because they just free up Barry Bannon. Jack Hunt scoring his first ever goal for Wednesday in this game across two spells at the club, which the fans absolutely love. And he's been a really decent player for them. And Lee Gregory back scoring. And he'll be massive in this final bit. I don't think Wednesday have had a player who's scored 20 league goals since. Well, you might want to guess who.
1: David Hurst.
3: You bang on. It was David Hurst. Um, and at the start of the season, I genuinely thought Lee Gregory might do it. Obviously, he's been out with injury a bit, so I think he's on nine goals now. But um, but even so, he is a natural finisher, and he'll be he'll be really important to that.
1: Yeah, 105 days he went without a goal, Lee Gregory. But for me, he's a, he's a top League One striker. You mentioned Barry Bannon there. He made his 300th appearance for Schiffer Wednesday on Saturday. Where's he rank in the sort of Hall of Fame at Hillsborough? He's not playing in one of the better teams, obviously in the third tier, but does he make it into the, the Owls Hall of Fame?
3: That's a good question. Um, to be fair, for the position he plays... I think give, a, give him five years after whenever he leaves and people will probably put him in. Whilst he's still there, I think he's always going to have his critics and um, and stuff. But uh, genuinely in that position, you know, you've, he's never going to top the likes of Waddle or Roland Nielsen or any of them. But, um, you know, yeah, he's been a great servant for them. He, he always gives everything. And, you know, when he have, has his off day, the team probably have an off day, but um, he's a quality player and, he's stuck by them this season so if he sees it through that'll count for a lot as well
1: yeah before we move on let's see if I can pin down Sam to, an, to a definite prediction uh, Sheffield Wednesday playoffs in or out yeah in for me
2: best home uh, forming best home team in the division they got three very winnable fixtures at home so I think if they take care of business there they probably only need one more win because then you're talking about uh, Wickham Sunderland Ipswich no margin for error. They'll have to win five out of six, six out of seven, depending on their, their their fixtures that remain. So, yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday continue in the vein. They have been at Hillsborough, scoring plenty of goals. So much to like about that side now. And as much as Lee Gregory's important, just having the defenders back you know, having great options there. Harley Dean uh, in the centre of the, the, the back three at the weekend. They got good strength all of a sudden. So really like the look of the side, playing with confidence.
1: Yeah, interesting pickup that wasn't it. Sort of run out of town from Birmingham. They really didn't they really didn't want him part of the first team set up, the Birmingham City fans, but but he can do a job, can't he, for for Sheffield So Let's turn our attentions to the lower reaches. Accrington one, Gillingham two. It's a win for Neil Harris's side that moves them four points clear of the drop zone. It's a really good win, isn't it, Sam? Because Accrington are tough to beat on on their own patch.
2: They are. Four four straight wins coming into this game and they've got some very talented players. I'll get that out of the way first about Accrington and play some good stuff, but you have to be able to match the intensity and the the fight. You know, I I went there a little bit towards the end of my career and they've still got some very physical boys, you know, starting with Nottingham and Sykes at the back, um, the centre forward Bishop, Harry Pell in the middle of the pitch, you know, combative players. And it was interesting hearing Neil Harris say that they didn't really match that aggression in the first half. And he, he singled out a couple of his players, which is not something you'd associate with a Neil Harris side or Gillingham, who have won on their last four visits to Accrington. And I think that that was probably key here. You know, the physicality that Gillingham have got could probably deal with the threat of Akronton better than a lot of League One sides. And that was kind of what played out in terms of the goals? certainly Verdane Oliver involved in the two up against a rookie goalkeeper. I think he was just making his second appearance. You know, that showed. Sorry. First start
1: as well. For, for Leo, Liam Isherwood it was, yeah. first start. Only 19. I kind of felt sorry for him because if there's one striker you don't want to come up with where there's a high ball coming into your, it's Verdane Oliver, isn't it?
2: It isn't. I don't really know how Verdane Oliver has found himself in a League One relegation scrap again I know it was League Two but for, for Northampton um, I wouldn't say almost individually but he was a massive part of their success and I think as a target man an old fashioned target man to get balls into he is one of the best I really do so I wouldn't be surprised if someone looked to take him um, um, next season but yeah this was this was certainly a game that Gillingham didn't deserve to take maximum points from. Uh, Accrington had over 20 attempts, I think eight on Aaron Chapman's goal, a former Accrington goalkeeper himself. So he had to be at the top of his game. And also John Coleman's side should have had a penalty. I mean, it's an it's well, an absolute we joke. Don't,
1: well, a lot, a lot of people don't like to name and shame referees. We're different here. I'm all for it. Um, Ref Scott Oldham has had an absolute... Torrid there hasn't it? I mean, he's ten yards away, looking right at it. And Tucker, if Tucker's not climbing all over Sykes, I mean, no, no one's ever climbed on a player ever, have they? It's, 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 it's a joke. No, it was a. It's the desperation
2: when you've conceded late on to just keep hold of the, the maximum points, going and attacking everything, thinking you're doing the right thing. But Sykes, I think, has actually manoeuvred himself to take the ball in. He's not even going up and Tucker's uh, preempted that there's going to be an aerial challenge, it is 100% a penalty, and that could have really deflated Gillingham, who you are know, the side down the bottom of that, that have got momentum. Um, what I will say, haven't beaten anyone above 13th, five games uh, left against teams in the top half. So they're still going to have to produce something, but I think if they beat Fleetwood at mm. home, another win, they're safe.
1: Yeah, I think so. 14-point swing, by the way, since Neil Harris took charge at Gillingham. Uh, they've gone from being 10 adrift to 4 clear of safety. Quite remarkable.
4: You're listening to The Totally Football League Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostic, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of The Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just one pound a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show.
1: Uh, right, we teased it earlier on in the show. So here it is. My chat with Ipswich Town Skipper, Sam Morsi. First up, we've got to talk about Saturday's win at home to Plymouth. What a great result, great crowd, great performance.
5: Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me on. Really good win. Um, it's a win we definitely needed. It was the last week at Oxford. So we knew we needed to win the game. And I thought it was really good. Probably should have won by a little bit more. Um, but nevertheless, a good three points and exactly what we needed.
1: Exactly. What's, what's happened to you since the start of March? You suddenly <laughs> turned into a goal machine. You scored, didn't you, against Fleetwood? You got the winner against Plymouth. Yeah. I've had a look back. Your previous two goals, it took you 24 months to get the last two. So what's, what's, what's happened at the start of March?
5: Yeah, um, I think just positionally, really. Um, playing a little bit more advanced and just through what we do in patterns of play. and The two goals have come off, which have things we worked on in training, really. So, which is always pleasing. Um, probably more pleasing than a 30-yarder, to be honest, because most of my goals have come outside the box. But when the patterns of play come into fruition in the game, um, it's great to see.
1: And what do you make of the new position that, that the gaffer's asking you to fulfil? Because we're used to seeing you a little bit deeper, aren't we?
5: Yeah. No, really enjoying it, to be fair. Last season, um, played in a similar position at Middlesbrough. Um, started off my career as a box-to-box player, so really enjoyable. But then there's also a lot of detail which goes into it. Uh, a lot of detail in where to run, when to run, things like that. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it.
1: Brilliant. Uh, that win puts you five points off six. Six matches left to play. You guys have had an extra game compared to the others, of course. um How much belief is there in your squad that, that you can sneak in? Can you with every game?
5: That's the goal. That's what we're going to have to try and do. Um, I think we're ninth at the minute. Um, if we're in the next two, we'll probably be eighth. Um, and we just got to keep going, really. I mean, realistically, if we're going to sneak in, it's going to be in the last day. And, uh, and we're prepared for that. Like you said, the challenge is to win the try and with six and about. Um, it's a huge challenge, but we're beating in, I think, 11 now, something like that. So we've been beating in a lot of games. Uh, confidence is sky high we haven't got a lot of injury problems a few injuries but players are coming back also so there's lots of confidence within the camp and yeah why not i mean in every league there's always someone who comes through the back door isn't
1: there so why not it us this season absolutely i'm not saying that every team in those playoff positions is running scared but carl robinson did say on quest this weekend that he hopes Ipswich don't make it. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I'm sure other managers feel the same way. Uh, That must give you guys as a team a really positive vibe.
5: Yeah, um, it's always nice to hear that other sort of managers are acknowledging you as a team. Uh, We'll take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, To be fair, the Oxford game, I thought they was better in the first half, we was better in the second half. They could see, well, they scored right at the death. Um, they got away one if I'm honest but again another really good team but yeah it's just about putting wins together really you see Plymouth they put six in a row together after sort of maybe an uncertain time there, where they'd started so well and they was there That that those six wins guaranteed them a playoff spot Um, and we need to try and do the
1: same so it is possible and that's what we're going to aim for well the form is strong enough no doubt about it Kieran McKenna Doing a great job. Obviously, from the outside, looking in, it's terrific work. What, what's it like to work with him? Brilliant, really.
5: Brilliant from, from day one. Sort of his meetings, his level of detail, what he wanted, the structure. Um, Really sort of eye-opening to me and the players. And what it takes, really, is, you know, people may say he's an inexperienced manager, but he's been preparing for this role since for the last... 10, 13 years or whatever it is when he started coaching, so he's definitely not inexperienced, an experience and you can see he's learned from the best. Um, and this level of detail really he's, he's got everyone firing, everyone's really enjoying it, everyone knows the roles, everyone's improving. Um, so yeah, so for a lot of the lads he's been great. Uh, for me personally, he's been great um, you know for other players as well, probably one of them uh, Wolfie the, uh, the centre half he wasn't playing much first half of the season but he's come in and he's looked he's looked like the best centre half you'll see at the minute uh, so he's done great really he's done great with everyone is, and he's been he great te- great to work under
1: Is he teaching you guys things that that no other manager has has, has taught you before?
5: Yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that that was one of the things really is in terms of whether or not the group was going to be so open and, and so coachable because certainly when you get older um, it's a common theme that players become more closed off but the idea is he's presented everyone's took them in really well um, he's definitely opened my eyes to a certain things and I've definitely I definitely see things different now and he, he's taught me a lot which I didn't know before so most days are learning days and I can speak for the lads as well. So a lot of the lads are thinking the same, really. So it's been really eye-opening.
1: Yeah, formation-wise, it's been pretty fluid, hasn't it? You've, you've, you've mixed things up in that regard, but I guess the principles stay the same. What was the main tactical change? Well,
5: well, that's the thing. I think one of the things he says he says he's not, you know, he, he's not sort of committed to, right, this is the formation. This is what we're going to do. But he's just about putting players in different areas. I think... The philosophy is the same in terms of keeping the ball, dominating the ball, but going through the pitch fast and creating a lot of chances. So he's definitely a manager who just wants possession for the sake of it, he wants to move through the pitch fast. Um, so, yeah, with, with the formation, the tactic is just very fluid. Um, it's always about exposing your team and sticking to our principles and exposing your team as well. So, it's been really enjoyable
1: it sounds like it's, it's all going swimmingly. Uh, Paul Cook, friend of the show here, and I know that he's looked after you very well down the years as well. Um, it's a real shame, wasn't it, that it didn't work out? What, Looking back, can you put your finger on, on why it didn't click? It's a tough one, really, because um, you look at his track record, I think
5: he would have been the ideal candidate to succeed here. Um, I think the Wigan team he had fantastic team I think if we'd have kept hold of that team I'm sure we would have been challenging playoffs in the championships to be honest so it was a bit of a surprise he didn't get a decent championship move um, why it didn't work, well, I don't know it's hard because all Paul Cook's known in his career is success everywhere he's been Chesterfield Portsmouth Wigan you know he's only known promotion and success he's got a way of doing things um, so it, 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 it's hard to be honest um, at the same time, there was a complete overhaul of the squad and you can't underestimate that takes time. It probably needed doing, but also it does take time for sure. So again, it was sad to see. Obviously, I've been with him for a number of years and I've had great success with him. I think one of the reasons, well, the sole reason I come to it such was because of him. Um, and I genuinely believe that we, we would have great success here. But I guess that's football, isn't it? Nothing's guaranteed. We made a really slow start to the season We won one in the first eight something like that so when you have that sort of start you're always playing catch up and you're going to need an exceptional run to get close and we had a consistent run but we couldn't get that, that exceptional run so it was really sad personally to see him go um, but obviously nice to see him back in football
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure it will be a big success at, at Chesterfield. And um, one other question before we get to the very important last one, um, the spirit within the Ipswich squad. How has it been this season? Because you've got so many good players, so many excellent players yeah. that would walk into the majority of sides in the division. Yet, yet a lot of them are sitting sitting on the sidelines. How How has that manifested itself in the dressing room environment? It's been really good, to be honest. It's been surprisingly
5: good, actually, because there are all sorts of problems you can tail with that having a lot of good lads as out of the squad and not playing. And probably Caden Jackson, really, because he, for long parts of the season, didn't get a sniff, wasn't involved, carried himself really well, got on with his work, uh, kept his head down, was quiet. Then the new manager's come in, he's had an opportunity, he's done really well, and he's ended up getting injured. But I just thought that was a great example, just because. Because he wasn't in the squad. He wasn't involved. But he maintained just being a really good professional. And then when he did, he definitely took a chance. So he's out of contract in the summer. And I'm led to believe he's going to sign a new deal here. Which is great for him. Um, So to be honest, the lads have conducted themselves really well. Even James Norwood as well. James Norwood has probably got an unfair reputation, really. Um, But again, even when he wasn't playing, he was really good. Even when he was with the 23s. You know, he wasn't negative, he was really good. Then he's come in, he's took his chance back in the team now. So all the lads who haven't been involved, uh, Wolfie, Wolfie the same. Again, all good lads and it helps really because in football, it can change fast and mm. I think because these lads behave how they behave, as soon as they've had a chance, everyone's got right behind them. Mm. Um, you can see it at different clubs or when it happens, when players act in a certain way when they're not in the team, I think it's easy to sort of hold a grudge. The players or have some resentment towards them, but I can honestly say um, the lads have been great, really, really easy.
1: Good to hear. As a former junior blue from the early 80s, I love to hear that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Great, great, great nice. bunch of lads. Nice. Um, nice. Right, on this show, we always finish with a really important question, Sam, so brace yourself. Um, as owner of the rare number 55 shirt, why... Does the number five yeah. mean so much to you? What is it about it? Because I know you used to wear five on its own a lot.
5: Well, I started off number five at Ch- when I went to Chesterfield um, and then continued it in Wigan and then with Egypt as well. Um, so I continued like that. And then when I got to Upswich, all the numbers were gone. So there was like random numbers, there was like a 28, a 37. And then I saw 55. Um, and my dad was born 1955 so i will send it so I just thought yeah I'll have a 55
1: we wish you the best of luck in your quest for the playoffs uh, Sam I I for one will be cheering you boys on and uh, yeah let's hope this momentum continues and even if you don't go up this season it does feel as if uh, Kieran McKenna's building something really special at Portman Road it's really really good to see you. thanks for your time I appreciate it thank you Adrian okay let's get some of the latest odds now with producer Jeremy how are they looking? Plymouth remain favourites
6: to finish in the top six despite that defeat to Ipswich. Ipswich themselves, they're 9-1 to to finish in the playoffs despite their red-hot run of form. And Sheffield Wednesday after that 4-1 win over Cheltenham, they are 3-10 to on to finish in the top six. Things not looking so good for Doncaster at the bottom end of the table. They're one to a hundred to go down, so it looks pretty doomed for them. AFC Wimbledon, they are now odds on to be relegated. They are eight to eleven. Gillingham, big win for them. They are now evens to be relegated after moving out of the relegation zone.
1: Excellent stuff. Next up, Lee Two.
6: So what do you think
0: about this Jesse Marsh then? I quite like him. He's American, and American managers never get relegated, do they? That's because there's no relegation
6: in Major League Soccer. Oh,
0: it would be generous to say Leeds definitely won't get relegated. But if you want generous, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online bet builder bets only, min odds one to five per leg, max free bet ten pounds per day, seven day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions, and T's and C's apply. Eighteen plus. BeGambleAware.org.
5: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
4: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: League 2 headlines. Exeter City kept up the pressure on leaders Forest Green with a hard-fought 2-1 win over struggling Stevenage, which meant Steve Evans lost his first game in charge. Port Vale's Jamie Proctor grabbed the headlines with a sensational scissor kick against Sutton United, 22 years to the day after Paolo Di Canio scored his legendary goal against Wimbledon. Phil Brown was beaten on his first outing as Barrow boss, losing 2-0 at Inform Leighton Orient. Colchester United look safe now. Wayne Brown's side star. Tranmere Rovers with a 95th minute winner that surely secures their survival in the EFL. Let's start by heading to Devon. Sam, Exeter City 2, Stevenage 1. No surprise in terms of the scoreline, but maybe in terms of the goal scorer. Yeah, a bit of a reoccurring theme, I would say, with with Exeter throughout the season. You know,
2: incredibly solid in terms of the the units, good experience. and have that little sprinkling of gold dust at the top of the pitch. But especially recently, I mean, Dieng's got double figures from from midfield. He was left out for this one because of a hamstring injury. And, and Sam Stubbs um, popped up with, I think, his two maiden goals for Exeter. The first, absolutely glorious towering header. The second one, potentially a foul, depending which side of the fence you sit on. I'm going to say it's brilliant. Attacking play, but um, a little bit fortuitous.
1: It was definitely a foul. It was definitely think? a foul, Sam. It was, yeah. He's clearly he's clearly climbing over him, but Steve Evans obviously wasn't happy about it afterwards. But again, that's a you know that's a, that's a big call from a referee that that could be quite costly. You, for, you can for normally
2: tell from a, a player's reaction, and um, to say that Stubbs was uh, sheepish. After the second one flew in, is an understatement. <laughs> I think he was expecting the whistle to go, but perfect way to respond to Stevenage's equaliser, and I think saw it out pretty comfortably. I think the two-one probably flattered Stevenage. They're lacking a little bit of creativity and open play. Exeter, I would say, um, hence the the, um, the the goals from from set pieces. But that has been a, a weakness of of Stevenage all season. I think just Walsall have conceded more in that regard. So. That's really good homework done by Matt Taylor if they've worked on a few set pieces in the days preceding the game. But yeah, Exeter going brilliantly, just the one defeat in 16, a great chance of getting automatic promotion. And for Stevenage, I wouldn't be too concerned about this result. I think there's obviously a huge game around the corner, but also I think with the manager at the helm now and with the cushion, I've just got the feeling that they'll they'll do enough to get away from it.
1: Yeah, you talked about Sheffield Wednesday's home form. Uh, Exeter City beaten just twice in the past twelve months at St James's Park. Absolutely on fire in front of their own fans. And uh, Nancy, he touched on it there. Sam Stevenage take on Oldham this weekend. If ever there was a a six pointer, it's that one, right? Who's your money on? <laughs>
3: <Ooh>. <laughs> it's juicy, yeah. Um, do you know I, f- I fancy Oldham actually? Um, I just think, yeah. John Sheridan's going to done a good job since he's uh, come back, and I'd like to keep it spicy till the uh, to the final day if if we can. I think I think Scunthorpe are too far gone, so let's let's keep it exciting where we can.
2: I'd like a pound in the swear jar from that technical
1: area. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, there'll be plenty going on there. Plenty going on. Look, I don't want any drama, Nance. I lost Southend United, one of my former clubs. This time last year, I can't lose Stevenage It's well. that'd be that'd be disastrous. So, so please, Steve Evans, do the business. I know I've been a bit mean to you in the past, Steve, but I need you now. I need you to deliver for me. Uh, right, Port Vale to Sutton. Neil, Nancy, you across this one. Uh, Port Vale are up to fourth. They're kind of sneaking under the radar here. It, I think four wins in their last five. The only the draw in that run was against high-flying Exeter. And they're doing this without their manager, Daryl Clark, who remains on compassionate leave. Andy Crosby's in charge of the side. We should give them some credit here, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's tight up the top and one to two games could change things uh, drastically there. But yeah, I think we're probably not talking about them enough. And um, I know that that Daryl Clark's still off, but I think, you know, when he made that move last year from, from Walsall to Port Vale, at least, you know, it... I thought it sounded like a bit of a not a sideways move, but people seem to be talking about it, with sort of scratching their heads a bit, and you know what what was different at Port Vale maybe to uh, to Walsall. But they've got serious ambitions. I've, I've spoken to uh, to Carol Shanahan there before, and she was really keen to back him. And I think they've moved to a different um, structure off behind the scenes in terms of um, like a director of football type model. Clearly, things are coming together well, and. You know, when you've got players scoring uh, those sorts of goals like uh, Jamie Proctor and James Wilson I think is having his best um, season in terms of goal return since he left Man United so things are coming together at the right time for them and um, yeah you can't really can't really argue with, with where they are it sort of speaks for itself So, um, and then a nice little nice little thing we, we uh, picked up on or, or producer Jeremy picked up on was the uh, little stat that they've They've beaten every, uh, well, each of the 91, each of the current 91 clubs, and they're the only, only seem to have done that. So there's one for your pub quizzes in future.
1: It's, an ama- it's amazing that Port Vale, of all the teams to have beaten all 91 of the current league clubs, it, for it to be Port Vale, it's just madness, isn't it, Sam? What's, what's going on here? I had no idea that, that Port Vale had, had, had beaten Man United, City, Arsenal, etc. You should know what's behind it, Clarky.
2: The widest pitch in, in the world. Or it certainly feels like that yeah, doesn't it right. when you're out there you're right. <laughs> wasn't it um, built yeah. build as the Wembley of the North I think when it was it was put together uh, it yeah. certainly feels like it's bigger than every other pitch in the EFL but um, I'm sure people will come back to me and say it's exactly the same size but maybe that's a reason why mm. I hope some of these victories I'm sure would have
1: come at home yeah interesting one of the coaches Adam Murray has been working there sort of on a temporary basis since February he's left this week he's joined Besiktas to, to join forces, actually, with Valerian Ismael, who's, who's who's landed that job. Um, so they have to make do without him. What what about the goal, Sam? Um, it's been compared to De Canio's. Nancy's too young to remember the original. Um, what what about yourself? For me, the degree of difficulty is not no. in the same ballpark, really, as Paolo's. What, what are you saying?
2: Well, let's get it right. You want the ball to go in the net as high as possible. So he gets a tick. For, for that, yeah. you want it to kiss the underside of the bar in an ideal world. So, Dicanios, yeah. if memory yeah. serves me right, is only a couple of foot off the off the deck. So Proctor wins there, yeah. but you're right, Clarky. The difficulty factor is is nowhere near the same. Trevor Sinclair's diagonal, wasn't it? It's coming across Decanio. Mm. I mean, that's going to injure the majority of players trying to take that strike on, let alone executing it. So. I'm afraid Paolo <laughs>
1: is still the god Talking of good goals by the way Colchester one, Tranmere Neal This was pretty dramatic Sam 95th minute winner for the U's, Courtesy of 18 year old substitute Junior Chamado I mean that's huge For, for Colchester United And we, we've questioned haven't we their, you know, their decision to keep Wayne Brown on on this sort of permanent Interim basis but He seems to have steered them out of trouble
2: yeah, they're, they're very nearly there now. see uh, Wayne's a former defender and I think, you know, he's, he set the team up really well, I think defensively first and foremost. So uh, I think a draw would have been a really good result to just keep them ticking over. So to, to nick it against a really good side in Tranmere late on, he'll be thrilled about that. I understand Chamadou probably a fullback or certainly a wide player by trade um, put up front for... The remaining five, six minutes or whatever it was of this game. And absolutely beautiful finish to, you'd have to say, almost have Colchester there now. Um, so really good result. They got good experience through the spine of that side. Players like Chambers and Skews. Uh, the goalkeeper actually made a magnificent save in the first half. So probably no surprise how this victory was, w- was won. Uh, Tranmere away from home. Four wins all season at home, the, the, the best in the division. I think 13 wins from 19 or, or, or close to that. So that's where they are possibly going to fall short of of the automatic positions. But you wouldn't rule them out because so defensively sound, don't have to score an abundance of goals. And I'm sure they'll win there or take a good return from the next
1: two reasonably good-looking home fixtures that are coming up. Yeah, top works. Right, it's, uh, it's back to producer Jeremy now, he's got some League Two outright odds for us. Shall we start with the promotion race? Exeter remain heavy favourites to be promoted there, just one to
6: four to gain automatic promotion out of the division. Elsewhere, it's anyone's pick between Mansfield, Northampton and Port Vale, all three sides very closely fancied by the bookies to get out of League Two. At the bottom end of the table, Oldham looked dead and buried. They're 1-7 on to go down. Stevenage, we spoke about them, Adrian, your former side. 7-2 to two now they get relegated into the National League.
1: Nice one. Thanks for that, Jeremy. Let's find out what Nancy was up to this weekend.
4: This is the Totally Football League Show.
1: I know that we love the EFL here on the Totally Football League show, but a little nod to non-league day um, is only right and proper, I think. And, and Nancy, you were you were part of the day, weren't you? You paid a visit to Woking for the match against Solihull in the National League. How, how was the experience for you?
3: It was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, I've done a, a fair bit of uh, National League stuff this year because um, there's probably a genuine case for it to be made out as... Uh, league three really and um yeah it was a cracking game between uh working in hill um three two in the end to Solly hill so check the highlights out for that one if um if people haven't already seen it but yeah really great day um nice to hear about their plans there they've got big ambition but um as we know there's a lot of money now in the national league so um you know it's a tough ask for those that are outside those kind of established um previously efl clubs you know that are, established in the league before now um but yeah it's really exciting to hear kind of from all different sides of uh, different clubs with different ambitions down in the national league
1: yeah it's it's always it always feels horrible doesn't it to lose your efl status for a club to to drop into non-league but it often gives them the chance to reset and rebuild and you're seeing that right across the division i mean Notts county Highest crowd of the day, over 10,000 for their one. Wrexham, eight and a half thousand eight and a half thousand which witnessed an insane match, by the way. They were 5-2 down to bottom club Dover. Ended up winning 6-5 with a 98th minute winner. Just, just incredible times down at Wrexham. And Stockport, Sam, absolutely flying. 11 points clear under Dave Challoner who, of course, took Hartlepool up last season into the EFL before making that move back. I mean, Dave Challoner and Stockport, they could be quite the force this time next year, couldn't they? You would think so with the
2: financial backing, it, it would seem. I think they brought in Andy Cannon, didn't they, last week and a couple of other um, late additions to give them, if they need so much of a, a push at the moment. But yeah, all those teams you mentioned there, clarkey uh, Stockport, Wrexham, um, teams that I used to play against you know 15 years ago uh, established. Chesterfield are flying. it's Chesterfield established in League One some of these sides um, teams that had some fantastic players and were, were tough um, grounds to go to and get results so yeah it's incredibly strong isn't it and I think the professionalism is rising season after after season um, I'm sure a lot of these players are financially doing a lot better than they would have been doing a decade or so ago. So whoever is promoted, well, you look what's happened recently, Forest Green, Sutton, Harrogate, um, there's not a big gap. And especially if you've got the financial backing, I'm sure we see some of these teams doing fantastically well the
1: two that come up next year. Yeah, 11 points clear. Um, Stockport County at the top. They've been out of the AFL for 11 years. Goodness me, that's gone quickly. But I think they'll strengthen it on their return. Um later on this year I'm pretty sure that's going to happen and while you're on Nancy very quickly you did speak to Newport County's leading scorer Dom Telford for the Athletic this week cracking interview it was as well what, what was your main takeaway from that chat?
3: Uh That he is a very lovely guy and absolutely feet on the ground like not getting ahead of himself here I mentioned to him that he's obviously second to Mitrovic in the scoring charts for the EFL and he just let out the biggest chuckle like he couldn't believe it um, even though, you know, he's there every week banging him in for Newport. So, um, yeah, he's just taking it week by week. And um, I think he's, you know, he's sort of found a, a rhythm and a settled home at Newport because, um, I mean, he's not really had it easy. He was at Blackpool, under the Oystens, and he got an injury when he was at Stoke. Then he was at Bury. Um, and then he had injuries at Plymouth when he went there with, uh, with Ryan Lowe. So... Um, He's, he's on a great bit of form and he's out of contract in the summer so he could be on the move again but um, yeah he's uh, he, everything he touches watching his um, his goals back just seem to go in at, at the moment so um, I'm sure he'll, he'll have plenty of interest
1: yeah he's a pocket rocket those pockets those pockets might be a bit fuller come the summer when when he takes advantage of, of that uh, of that Bosman but yeah if you, if you want to check it out Nancy's interview is on The Athletic <laughs> Uh, right, it's time for the end bit. Blimey, it's whizzed by, hasn't it? And the question I've come up with for you guys is based on, on watching England the other night. It was it was striking to me how many players, how many members of the team had been involved in the EFL not so long ago. Connor Gallagher, Ben White, Mark Gurhey, Connor Cody, just to name a few. Obviously, Jude Bellingham um, played for Birmingham City as well. So, so which of the current crop of young EFL talent do you think is likely to follow the next into the England senior team? Uh, Sam, let's start with you. Um, who's your eye on?
2: Well, I'm going to give you two. Uh, one very okay. close to my heart. He, he can follow. Uh, the, the player I've seen in the flesh this year, and I thought, blimey, Um well, there's a few, actually. Elise and Carvalho would have been two, but I think their international yes. futures are undecided. They would have been two that would have jumped mm-hmm. off the page. So, for that, for that reason, I'm going to go with Alex Scott at Bristol City. Um, 18 years of age. made over 30 appearances this season. I think says a hell of a lot in the second tier of English football. Um, obviously, you can excite by creating and scoring, but it was more just the understanding of the game. You know... I think actually the first time I saw him, I probably would have thought he was thought he was 22, 23 because I'd not heard about him at that point. And then, you know, looking into it, 18-year-old, first breakthrough season, really. Incredible composure, can play different positions, lovely awareness. He's someone, certainly, that's going to get an opportunity to probably move to a, a Premier League club and, and, and what follows we will see. The other one on the, the, the Crystal Palace subject... My mate Eze. Let's not forget about him. He's been out a long time. <laughs> Probably my, yeah. p- arguably my favourite Rangers player since the heady days of the 90s. I'd go that far. I mean, incredible talent. Obviously, he recovered now from his injury, played outstandingly well against Everton in the FA Cup the other day. And he'll be jealous, won't he? Looking at Gallagher, Gurhi, the aforementioned Elise. Looks like he's going to be representing France. I think Eze has got the talent undoubtedly to play for the full England team.
1: And I'd like to see it, Sam. I really would. What an exciting addition it will be. Lots of competition, unfortunately, in in his part of the field, unfortunately. Lots of competition in his part of the field, though. And what about you, Nancy? Uh, Who can you see representing Gareth's boys in the future?
3: Um, I, I don't know how old you have to be to qualify as being a young uh, up-and-coming talent, but um, I think I've been asked about this before, and I'll go with my same pick: um, Lloyd Kelly. I think um, I can see. Obviously, it'll help if Bournemouth go up this season, and then you're immediately on the on the radar. Um, I think he's 23, so whether that disqualifies him from being young, no, I don't not at know. all. I mean, but, <laughs> do, do you think
1: he'll play for England one day? It's it's not, is it? Let's be honest, it's not the strongest part of the field it's not our strongest department so that the opportunities will probably be
3: easier for someone like him yeah and um, similarly genuinely you know one of the players I've been most impressed with in, in the last two seasons and I know he's not had the greatest start to this season because he didn't get much time at Newcastle but Freddie Woodman um, again he's 25 but I could see him if he does get game time at Newcastle he's just sort of so assured when he, especially when he was at Swansea but um Again, he's another one where, if you can find the right sort of route to it. Um, I picked two Bournemouth players there, though. So that was the easy one. I should have chosen someone from League Two, and then <laughs> you could have uh, dragged me out for that in a few few years' time there's, if I got it there's right. There's no need
1: to be fancy or clever here. No need to be fancy or clever. Um, do you know who I'm going to go for? I'm going to go for another defender on the basis that that it will be easier to get there. And and it's a, it's a little bit along the same lines as Sam's pick with, with Scott. Because of his age, he's 19. Levi Colwell, obviously on loan from Chelsea at the moment with Huddersfield. On loan, looks very, very comfortable at championship level. And that's not easy, especially for defenders where I think you get better with experience. It was interesting that he, he made his um, England Under-21 debut as well against Andorra on Friday night. So, yeah, Colwell, I think he's a guy that looks red looks like he will play premier league football in the not too distant future and and therefore will probably represent england sam
2: just another quick one for david priest and the uh goalkeeping union um jamie in i think again 22 Ooh, okay 22 but same kind of year group ish as gallagher and mount and Gurhey and people like that and getting an absolute rave reviews still obviously on loan from from Chelsea, but did brilliantly at Gillingham-Stevenage. Now, six clean sheets in 14 games at MK Dons. Major reason behind this upturn. Not conceded more than one in any game since he's been there. Again, as Nancy just said, late developers. I don't think you can ever rule out a young goalkeeper when he gets to 26, 27 maybe getting called
1: up. So, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's an an interesting thing to talk about, isn't it? The, The thing is... We just, you just don't know because those players that are currently England in the England squad, we we, we wouldn't have called this, um, we wouldn't have called it three, four, five years ago. So, so the pathway is definitely there under Gareth Southgate. Enjoyed that, right, everyone? That's us done and dusted. Big thanks to you, Nancy, and to you, Sam. Matt will be back on Thursday, alongside Sam and guest And um, this has been the Totally Football League Show. We'll speak to you soon.
4: You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at The Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production.
6: The Athletic.